0: Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust. Member FDIC. Connor O'Gara of Saturday Down South. And Connor, as always, appreciate you joining us, man. How you doing this afternoon?
1: Gentlemen, doing well. Spring camp is underway, which means football is just around the corner or so on hold. Uh, not so much. No, everything's mm-hmm. good, man. I'm I'm looking forward to March Madness here. I am for the first time since, like, really doing this job, I feel like I have a team that's in the fight that isn't Arkansas, and I jumped on the Arkansas bandwagon a few years ago. But as an Indiana grad, I'm, like, very much all in with this right now, and uh, let me tell you, it's terrifying.
0: Mm. Yeah, it, it can be. It can be frustrating. can be scary. can be nerve-wracking. Uh, but you know what, as much as that is, too, I mean, football, we know it, it's also that same way, too, especially with a team like Arkansas. This past year, fans were not happy, and we're not happy with the way the season went. We know that, and because of that fact, lots of change happened under Sam Pittman heading into his fourth year. Coaching changes, roster changes, a lot of stuff, and I know uh, you had a chance to talk with Sam Pittman and have many times before, so I'm just curious about Your conversations with him since the point of the time when the season ended, have you noticed any difference in how he handles things, how he said things? Just kind of what's your overall vibe about what Sam Pittman's feeling right now heading into spring practice?
1: One of the things that I wanted to ask him about was, did this season feel really different compared to any in the last decade that he's been a part of? Because going back to his first in at Arkansas, he's there for the first three years with Bielema. And it's this rise. And he gets to be there for obviously the first part of the Kirby Smart era. It's this rise at Georgia. And that's what it's been so far at Arkansas up until year three is this rise under Sam Pittman. And so to finally have a year that didn't feel like you were building towards something and instead felt like a letdown of expectations. That wasn't, you know, Georgia losing in the SEC championship in 2018 or 2019. That's a little bit different. But, you know, that disappointment factor, he's like, yeah, like that was, that was there. And I think you look at the way that things played out. And I think it's very easy to be like, Oh, you know what? We, we were really, you know, we were we were depleted in this area and that area. But, you know, he also admitted, yeah, it did feel like KJ that play against A&M was a bit of a spotting doors moment for their season. And if they had won that game, who knows how differently the mindset is when you start to get, you know, one loss here, one loss there, it's a little bit easier to work through. So, yeah, I mean, I definitely think it was a different kind of year for him and I think, that it was reflected in his vibe is, you know, understanding that the honeymoon is certainly over. and I think he's well aware of what awaits him. Did you have a chance to visit about um, going into spring practice and some of those changes that have come about, discussions about the uh, offense and defense, how they're going to look different going into uh, not only spring practice, but this upcoming season? Yeah, I think uh, from the defensive side of the ball. Look, I mean, the issues were well documented last year. And one of the things I talked with with Bittman about was the fact that they would have games in which the defensive adjustments just weren't there, and, and that impacts everything. Like against Mississippi State, he's, he's saying to Barry Odom, he's like, "You've got to get more guys in the line of scrimmage." Like, I, look, like we, are, you know, we have to be able to figure out these in-game adjustments and understand what our deficiencies are and be able to address that as a coaching staff. at like, too many times. With Arkansas' defense, especially, it felt like everybody knew what their deficiencies were and they just couldn't do anything about them. And that is such a frustrating feeling as a head coach. And so, obviously, you know, he said the interview process with Travis Williams was different than it was with Dan Enos because he interviewed four people for that defensive coordinator job and the way that Travis Williams stood out and his background, obviously, and, you know, being somebody that, that understands the SEC can recruit really, really well it appealed to him. And so I, I would, you know, hope that they're going to be in better spots schematically than some of the spots they were in this past year. And then Dan Enos was a guy that, you know, you know, when the whole thing with Kendall Bryles and Mississippi State came about, he reached out to Dan and said, look, you know, if, if Kendall leaves, I'd love to have you on board. And so that's why that move was so quick. And John and I have talked about this, the fact that Arkansas announced that their new offensive coordinator was going to be Dan Enos before TCU even announced Kendall Bryles. Like, that's why that happened so quickly is because of, obviously, you know, the speculation that Kendall was going to be leaving after the first thing happened with Mississippi State.
0: Yeah, Connor, it's funny, too, with Dan Enos, just looking at his resume, he's got impressive places he's been and quarterbacks. You know, at Alabama, he had some of the best runs with quarterbacks while he was there. He goes to Maryland, obviously had Tua's brother, Talia, and – there's success to go along with it. Even at Arkansas, you had Brandon Allen, which he turned from being just an average SEC quarterback to one of the better ones there in 2015. The question becomes for me, though, with Dan Enos, he seems to have taken over situations and improved quarterbacks, but also he had really talented quarterbacks to work with. So how much of it, at least with this situation with K.J. Jefferson, what can you see Dan Enos doing with him? Can he truly make him better? Will he make him better? Or is it just going to be a huge benefit for Dan Enos to step in and take over somebody else's great quarterback, and he just not screw it up this year? No,
1: I think he can improve K.J. And I think, look, let's be honest. If K.J. was a finished product, he'd be in the NFL. I mean, there's there's no doubt about it, in my opinion. Like, if he was at that place where he checked all of those boxes, yeah, with with his size and his skill set, I, I think he would definitely be in the NFL. I mean, look at the guys that are potentially going to be drafted in the first round and some of the questions that we have about the likes of Will Levis and Anthony Richardson. I mean, yeah, from a college standpoint, and there's no doubt in my mind KJ Jefferson checks more of those boxes. But take that next step with him, it's gonna be similar to what we've seen in the past. And what we've seen Daninos do with Talia Sangabailoa, what we saw him do with Jalen Hurts back in twenty eighteen was say, Okay, here's what you're good at and here's how I'm gonna take you to that next level and help you understand the game. And that was part of the appealing process and why, you know, obviously there's gonna be a difference in the scheme that they run, but if the ability to maximize a quarterback's potential and a quarterback like KJ is there, then that makes sense. And that that was why, you know, Sam Pittman was willing to make that change because your best asset right now is KJ Jefferson. I mean, you could say Rocket Sanders, but to me, it's KJ Jefferson. He controls so much of what you're trying to do. And he can develop the way that KJ goes through his progression and build on those steps that when healthy, I thought KJ made this year. What do you know about Travis Williams' coaching style and what kind of changes we can expect on defense? I think they're – and this is the cliche thing that gets thrown out there big time. Like, they're going to be more multiple on defense. I would expect to see more guys, at, at, like, at or around the line of scrimmage. I think his ability to recruit, going back to his time working under Gus on at Auburn, is really going to be beneficial. Like, UCF had terrible defenses. I mean, they had, like, one good year during this rise defensively and pretty much for the most part, they've been a disaster, and that is until Travis Williams showed up. To have a top 50 defense there in that conference in the AAC, which is essentially like group of five Big 12, to have a defense that actually looks like it can win a game for you is pretty rare. So his job with total autonomy looks pretty good in what he's done the last couple of years. And remember, too, that was a really quick hire for Gus Malzahn. Gus Malzahn made that hire, I want to stay within 24 hours of being hired. Travis Williams wasn't some guy that was like fifth, sixth, or seventh on his list. I was like, no, I'm going to go get my guy. I worked with him at Auburn, and I know that this guy could be able to, to, to help build up my defense. And I think that's the expectation. Even though he wasn't necessarily like this no doubt or choice for Sam Pittman, I think the hope is that he's going to be better at making those in-game adjustments. He's not necessarily as entrenched into his scheme as maybe Barry Odom was, and I think that's the way that he can benefit Arkansas
0: most. Well, and that's the thing also in the SECs, especially. We know that places like Georgia, Bama, LSU, they're going to have that elite-level five-star talent defensively that definitely makes them as good as what we've seen them and have the success that they do. But to be honest, at Arkansas, it's not going to be very easy to get to that level of talent, so you got to do it in other ways, which not just Arkansas. There's a lot of other teams in the SEC that do that. So what do you think is the key for that, for a place like Arkansas to have – not just a good defense, but a good enough defense to succeed in this conference. How do you go about doing that without the five-star level talent?
1: The model that they can follow is what Mississippi State has done with Zach Arnett. Zach Arnett this year with that 3 3 defense, 18 of their 22 guys on their two deep were entering year, at least year three in that defense. So you have guys that were really familiar and understanding what exactly they were getting into. And they bought into the scheme because they saw that incremental improvement year over year. And it's, you know, it, there, there's never, there's not no, you know, like, Hey, we're, this is just going to be perfect against every single team. Like, you know, I could point to some of the issues that the three, three, five has had against some of the five-star talent and how that's been a little bit of an issue for Mississippi state in some of those spots, but they got better and better and better. And I think if you're Arkansas, that's kind of all you can hope for at this point is to continue to show that improvement to where, all right, you know, maybe you can one year you can hang your hat on having a top 20 run defense. Like Mississippi state was really, really good against the run these last couple of years. And that's not necessarily something you've typically seen from a defense that has played alongside a Mike Leach offense. So you're trying to figure out better ways to show that improvement, to have guys that buy into the scheme and you have that continuity year over year. And that's not easy Mississippi State, I think, did a really solid job of that, and that's why they were able to improve with Zach Garnett, who's now obviously their head coach. But I, I think that's got to be the goal for, for Arkansas. And once upon a time, it looked like they were heading in that direction with Barry Odom, and then obviously last year played out the way that it did. Was there anything else you were able to take away with from the conversation with Sam Pittman, anything that stood out to you? Okay, so a couple of things. Uh, the Hog statue slash fountain, it is in good standing. Um <laughs> I don't want to spoil everything with the interview, but uh, let's just say that that the, the rising tide, there is a little bit of concern that people are going to be able to get close enough to be able to um, devalue uh, Coach Pittman's property. There is some concern over that. Uh, measures might have to be taken if, indeed, that does happen and people don't respect the hog statue. Um, there is a room in Sam Pittman's house in which it's the Bulldog suite, the lake house we're talking about here. We're just talking about the lake house. But it has like five or six different Bulldog figurines as well, which a um, little bit of a hat tip to his days with the Georgia Bulldogs, a little bit of his hat of a hat tip to his 13-year-old Bulldog Lucy, who is doing really well. She just went to the doctor this week <laughs> and report that. Um, so, yeah, learned plenty of fun things about Sam Pittman. But like I said before, I think this year was a little bit tough on him. I think it was kind of a, a setback, and I think it was definitely a reminder that this is the SEC, and it is really hard to sustain success and meet expectations year in, year out.
0: So the question becomes, since it's extremely early, do you think Arkansas is a better team this season than what they were this past season? Do they have more wins? Do they compete a lot better? Do you think that that happens in 2023?
1: Oh, man, it's, it is so early. I feel, I feel so much more comfortable giving you an accurate prediction if I saw the post-spring portal editions. And that's that's a cop-out answer because <laughs> I think – and John, we've talked about this. Like, I, I think they're going to be—they're going to be better in the past. They—they they just are. Like, they're, they're, the volume is going to be there, even though they lose some key pieces in the passing game. I, I was a big Jaden Hazelwood fan. I, I thought Matt Landers brought a lot to the table, deep threat as well. Like, they're losing some key pieces there, but. I do think that from a passing game standpoint, they will have a little bit more consistency and they will be able to feel like a team that can actually beat you in that sort of way. And so that'll be different. I don't think they're gonna be as big of a liability defensively. They just can't be. And some of it was injuries last year on the back end and they just really couldn't overcome it. And that's a tough area when everybody and their mother knows that you can't defend anything deep. So I have to think that they're going to get better there and that they're going to find ways to generate pressure. Though so obviously replacing Dominic, replacing Sanders pool, that's going to be tough, but you know, I, I would say overall, yeah, I would expect them to have a better regular season. I think water finds its level a little bit with some of those close games, but obviously all that goes up in smoke. If KJ can't stay
0: healthy. Yeah. And I think uh, just looking at the schedule too, and I think we've talked about it, but man, I, the schedule yeah. is easier this year. It's not easy, but it's easier than what it's been in quite some time. It seems like so. You know, maybe that's helpful when uh, you got to go through the West, but they, uh, their East team, they go to Florida, which, good grief, they got some issues, and their non-conference is easier. So, I don't know. Maybe they win more games. Maybe not overall a better team, but win more games just because the schedule is a little bit more manageable uh, than what it was this past season. But it'll be here before we know it. Connor, as always, appreciate you joining us. Uh, Tell everybody where they can uh, be able to listen to your interview with Coach Sam Pittman.
1: Saturday Down South podcast uh, on iTunes, Spotify, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, that'll be that'll be coming down the pipe on Monday nights. Got Clark Lee. That episode drops uh, tonight, actually, as well. So yeah, if you haven't subscribed to the Saturday Down South podcast,
0: there you have it. Connor, appreciate you joining us, man. Have a great weekend.
1: Absolutely appreciate it, guys.